Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Cooper Cole podcast, where we delve into the practices of Canadian and international artists in conjunction with their exhibitions at our gallery. My name is Magdalene Asimakis, and I'm the Director of Research and Artist Relations at Cooper Cole, a contemporary art gallery in Toronto, Canada that was founded in 2012. This episode features a conversation between the Afghan-Canadian artist Hangama Amiri and the curator and writer Mueb Esmat, moderated by me. The conversation was originally recorded in October 2021 in a live Zoom program in conjunction with Hangama's solo exhibition entitled Mirrors and Faces that was at Cooper Cole. The exhibition featured textile works that the artist made over the course of the pandemic, focused on domestic spaces and fantastical visions. Hangama takes a painterly approach to her images, layering colors and textures of a wide range of fabrics. Her interest in textile is rooted in the medium's flexibility, functionality, and its intimacy. Textile, according to the artist, awakens the senses because of its relationship to the body, insinuations of touch, and its ability to carry memories. In these works, Hangama's observations of her domestic space open up into the emotive and imaginative aspects of cultural memory, touching on feelings of loneliness, of isolation, love, intimacy, and longing. She elaborates on these inquiries with fantastical elements such as foliage, birds, tears, and spilled wine, overlaid and overflowing out of the images, visualizing a weaving of internal dialogues with lived experience. At the crux of her inquiry is the question of home and how it exists in memory, and especially during migration. These questions were particularly pronounced at the time of the conversation, which coincided with pandemic lockdowns, as well as the Taliban seizure of Kabul, where Hangama and Mueb were born, though they joined me virtually from the United States. Hangama's examination of internal conflict and physical confinement in her work took on new dimensions during this period, as will be revealed in this conversation. And here it is. Thank you all for joining. I'll introduce our two speakers today. Hangama Amiri, the artist, works predominantly in textile. Uh, she creates images that reflect on ideas of home. She uses a painterly approach to color and materials to reflect on how everyday objects are imbued with cultural memory. Uh, she received her MFA from Yale University and BFA from NASCAD. She was a Canadian Fulbright and postgraduate fellow at Yale University of Arts and Science and has completed residencies at the BAM Center for Arts and Creativity, Joya AIR Residency Program in Spain, World of CO Residency Program in Bulgaria, and at Long Road Projects in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Amiri won the 2011 Lieutenant Governor's Community Volunteerism Award and the 2013 Portia White Protégé Award. She has exhibited internationally at T293 Gallery in Rome, the New Museum in New York, BAM Center for Arts and Creativity, Contemporary Art Gallery in Vancouver, Paramo Gallery in Guadalajara, and Charles Moffat Gallery in New York, among many others. Um, Amiri now lives in New Haven, Connecticut, and she uh, is joining us from there today. Um, and Muha Besmat, who's, who will be speaking with um, Hangama as a curator and writer from Kabul. Uh, his research explores modern contemporary visual culture in Afghanistan. Um, and he's, uh, also, he's joining us from New York today. 
Um, and Hangama and Muhab have worked together before. They've collaborated um, in conversations and projects before. So we're really excited to be able to have them speak to each other again um, with, in conjunction with this exhibition. Hi everyone, thank you so much for having me and Mohab here. Thank you, Madam, for a great introduction as well. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to be here and to be in conversation with Hangama again. Um, I think we have known each other for two years now and every time we have been in conversation, I feel like I keep learning new things about your practice and the way you think. So maybe I think it's probably pretty appropriate to start with a little bit of background on your practice and how this show came together. Um, something so everyone could get an idea of where you're coming and thinking about the works mm -hmm. on display. No, sure. Um, of course, um, I guess I can start by talking about my practice. I, I, I think Madeline kind of explained a um, few words. But for me, um, as an African artist, I'm very much interested um, in ideas of memory and home, um, but also uh, about my diasporic experiences uh, living abroad and uh, while also investigating um, uh, sort of questions of uh, gender and constructed of gender uh, in Islamic culture. So uh, not only uh, my work kind of uh, it reveals the contemporary voices of Afghan women um, in my textile pieces, but I'm also very much interested. Um, I mean, lately I've been really interested to investigate uh, what sort of uh, meaning home, as we call, are having. And um, based on my these recent bodies of work, I've been very much invested in those childhood or fragile memories of home, but also um, how would I experience those living abroad? So this exhibition particularly uh, mirrors and faces. Um, there also uh, explores questions on home and memory um, through migration, I feel like. And it really covers my time for the whole year of being in the pandemic and uh, what sort of uh, stories and what sort of uh, imagination might well take place. And uh, the whole series um, explores this um, my domestic shale and um, how it also becomes this emotional, but also um, a very emotive uh, at the same time that kind of uh, touched on feelings of loneliness, uh, on feelings of longing for home and, uh, you know, uh, loss of love and intimacy and touch. So these are the things that I also felt uh, very ambivalent to explore, but I felt very important um, as an artist to not forget about this time in my career or in my life as an artist to, but in a state uh, be loud about it and uh, you know, challenge those, um, the time period that I lived through. So this is, um, so this exhibition at Cooper Calls, uh, at Cooper Call exhibition really explores um, my experiences of migration being in the United States. I think, um, yeah, that's very interesting to me because like, I think the, the concept of home, like as we've talked before, has gone through most of your work, yeah. especially the past, like home and experiences of diasporic identity and like how we are shaped as someone who leaves one country and moves on to the next one and what kind of things you take with you and what kind of things you leave behind and the things that come in between and find a new meaning and shape in in some way as 
as an outsider looking at the new body of work, it feels to me that this is like a next step in what you have been creating. Like the two exhibitions you did before, one was about the bazaar. And then the second one, you came more close to home in your own feeling that you're living in Connecticut for the time and you came and explored this existence of the Afghan diaspora in New York in Kochi Market, where you're looking into these the food, but also the kind of presentation of it. And what do we, in these little moments, what do we see of ourselves in it? So like, can you talk a little bit more of like how that step and how you moved from the bazaar, the outside, to the market that gets a little more contained and then you come into your place. Like something you mentioned that's like, of course, there's a consequences of all being locked down, but at the same time, how is that move your own work, the trajectory of like every show coming closer and closer to being very self, um, like your body is very apparent in it compared to the ones before. Yeah, I think uh, this is a very thoughtful question, Mohit. Thank you for that. I feel like uh, you're kind of uh, speaking about the individual or the collectivism. If we can approach uh, ideas of home, it could be also approached through individual perspective, but also collective. So for me, living in America or living in the Western uh, you know, societies and missing home and not having access to go back. For me, during the pandemic, I was very much interested to put myself in the shoes of the public in order to uh, find those diaspora communities of Afghans in New York City, for me to find uh, a sense of familiarity or belonging. So what is, um, you know, uh, if it's even from, you know, taste of kebabs or a smell of Afghan food on it, in the Queens of New York are also like the textiles and the fabric shops that I have, uh, you know, found in Chelsea. So for me, uh, even having a communication with these people were uh, very important uh, to understand uh, my belonging, my sense of being in here. Uh, so it becomes like a collective experience, right? So I have to go outside to find these things and find my existence. But comparison to to this body of work, as you mentioned, uh, it's it's also very self-biographical too, but that self-biographical could also be a shared space because yes, uh, we live in a pandemic situation or we have lived in this pandemic life. It was a collective experience, right? So this self, I hope my work could also like reflect uh, a shared space for those people who are also like me uh, as an immigrant person living in the United States and what sort of um, ideas of home and missing family they shape, you know, they take shape. So for me, uh, in this body of work, I really wanted to kind of uh, dive into my own uh, body as its own interiority and kind of see the psyche um, elements in them. So <clears throat> I know that uh, I'm really noticing uh, from my practice uh, because like, um, working with home from a very far distance, uh, they sometimes become about feelings, uh, not so much about a physical or like a territory context. So for me, I was really interested about those, um, you know, sensorial experiences. So that's why um, I have uh, taken a different approaches um, about home, both as a collective and also through an individual. 
um, yeah, I hope I answered the questions. No, you so, did. Yeah. You did. I think something you would really point out there is this uh, idea of the collective experience to me. Um, what I think there's both truth to it, but also there's something that we need to think further about the consequence of the pandemic as being a collective experience to some extent. Uh, while some of it depends on a lot of other reasons that like the same wasn't true for everyone. Um, I think one thing that we forget sometimes is that the restrictions that were the defining characters of the pandemic for people not being traveled, uh, people not living their homes, people being locked in these places and thinking that they were disconnected from the people they love, the away from ones they wanted to connect is a reality, has been a reality in a different situation for people. And that's where I, I, I remember at least me being at school at the time is that the restrictions of traveling for some people was very like heartbreaking and new. While at the time to me, it felt like it because of having an Afghani passport that has never been a privilege that is always given. Um, and how those, how do we evaluate and write these histories and visualize this moment, not thinking that it was, yes, it was shared in some extent, but at the same time as you show your work, um, there was other little ways or other contextual um, situations that we have to, when we think about the pandemic and the history and the moment, we'll have to think about it. So it's not the same bigger perspective of like the, it was a shared experience but how was it shared and how and true in which moments does it change which in in like that point to what i would like to know next i think maybe there's it comes to this moment of it feels the body of the work that you present here that you are inside you are in this place of like being at home being close to your plants being close to your domestic setting of like in bed or not so it's very obvious but at the same time I think there's another sense of you are stepping away you're actually freeing yourself in in or taking like showing us something else that often in previous works weren't available is the sense of like you bringing yourself as you can see these um sketches on the thread with the black like you come into these works more and also this kind of like what happens this domestic space that how representing that is you have these expectations and cultural norms you are playing against these are kind of pressures that you're expected um, and if you could talk a little bit more like the pressure of like what can you do if you're a lot if you're constrained to working at home and thinking but then you have these pressures of how much of the private sphere can you expose how much of your private sphere could be out there or talk about because of different reasons of course um, I feel like uh, you're also bringing an important point here um, the, the cultural quarantine, yes, it has been a shared experience for majority of us. <clears throat> but I think uh, for me, I wasn't only interested to like put myself as a subject in my pieces only, but I was also really interested to look 
through my body and what sort of interiority space it will have in itself, right? And uh, what sort of psyche it was, it, it was kind of gaining to have. So for me, I felt really humble and sort of ambivalent to represent uh, emotional feelings. It's something that I've always felt uncomfortable to uh, reveal to public or reveal into my textiles. But I think since this time period was also a very challenging time for me uh, that I encountered, like personal challenges that I encountered. So for me, like I felt like a little bit more empowered to not be afraid of who I am and who I have become. Uh, and that's why through those uh, layers of complexity and layers of um, um, different sort of personalities and like different sort of challenges that we kind of mentally were having as well. Um, that's how I went through this world and kind of wanted to explore what sort of um, imagery it will take. Uh, like, for example, uh, this image that you have on the left side um, is called a wounded deer. And it wasn't only feelings of uh, me being an, uh, as an immigrant body or as an immigrant artist, but I was also really aware of my time as well as an Afghan, because we also know what, what happened to Afghanistan recently and what sort of feelings we as individuals felt too. One that, yes, we still live in this not privileged uh, you know, position, but then at the same time, we also lost that home, that we had some sort of hope to go back or, or like some sort of access to go back, right? And uh, I was... Um, in this particular work, I was really reflecting those feelings of like disparity, feelings of like betrayal. And uh, for me, um, I also was interested to, in order to explore these feelings, I have to explore it through a poetic lens um, and nothing so much intentional or direct, but something that could play, you know, different cultural materials or different everyday objects. Uh, in order to tell my story, in order to tell who I am uh, in here and do I matter, you know. And uh, I can talk a little bit about this specific piece because it's also one of my favorite one in the show. Um, it's, um, it's, it's basically uh, pretty much um, explores my, uh, my kind of relationship, you know, to my homeland, Afghanistan. And something that uh, this ex this kind of like an abstract hand on the left side is like pointing at me. So my so my self portraits are really visible in these works as well, and the deer in between is being heard, and that deer really represented my uh, the hope that I have for my own homeland. So so I hope you know through this body of work, I hope. I could also open up a table or open up a platform um, for those people who could also share their experiences of pandemic, not only taking pandemic as a very Western point of view of what social isolation means, but also um, you know, putting um, a question on, on how this anormality that we are all talking about, we live this anormality for a very long time. You know, I have been detached from my own country and from my own family for a very long time. So I am I'm hoping to open up some sort of uh, space for other people to kind of uh, explore these feelings of of loneliness and, you know, how they lived, uh, you know, a person like me and you.
But I think it, there's I, like I want to like what you're saying is very important, and like I want to reiterate that what you're doing in the context you're working with, it it's very much like um, you're you're trying to talk about something that cons could have consequences, um, and has things that you have to really push back against, and the stakes are far more higher. Um, and how does that affect, like, I think you kind of talked about this thing of like the poetic and the indirect and how one way to mitigate these pressures and how one way to work against the, the structures that are oppressive in sense, but also still have a lot of say and power, whether it's back home or if you get out in the diaspora communities, this kind of gendered spaces, this kind of gendered expectation of how you're supposed to present your work but at the same time from the outside perspective like what is an outside institution and once someone people who aren't afghan when they look and think about art and culture and what kind of what they expect their expectations so you are you have pressures in all boats so how do you think that indirectness kind of helps and mitigate um both sides it's not just like you aren't being put into boxes and expected to act in or create in a singular narrative um mm -hmm. which comes back to this moment like what you mean you're here talking about this wow the country itself is in a state of chaos the place is where people are in another cycle of destruction in a lot of cycle of future seems as dark as it could ever be and what it could hold seems like for two months now there's almost no state and people are being banned from their rights to education women and um right to work and it's kind of like all these things happening what history happens so fast that mm -hmm. sometimes i think it's far too fast for us to digest um and how can we make something direct when the digestion is needs time mm -hmm. how, so i think the mitigation of the poetic and indirect could having a door open for possibilities is mm -hmm. something that that comes from the consequences of the moment but i wonder what you what your thoughts are on that no absolutely i think i think i can think that my I'm very much interested to, you know, connectivity. And in every piece that I work, I always think of my relation between the East and West and what sort of, if I could be a string in between and how can my diasporic experience could also have a relation to, uh, you know, my people back home, let's say. So I've always, you know, saw myself in this in between spaces in order to find a gap in between to tell my stories, right? So it's never been one way or the other. It was always two-sided at the same time. So, uh, and, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm very much looking forward for connectivity. If my work could connect um, like you and other people, then I feel like I found the ground or I found the language of this universality of sharedness, right? Of share of the experience, whether it's like by specific elements, whether it's by specific, you know, symbolic, you know, cultural materials that I'm representing through fabric. So I guess um, I, it's it's really important for me to connect. And uh, if I could find that a space to connect, you know.
I think that that's, that's something else like you, like what you're saying is also a manifestation of your lived experience. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. the work you're creating in the sense of the visual vocabulary that you bring, but also the lived experiences that you kind of portray in here um, are a consequences of you being in these different spaces and how you mitigate being, I think the cons- one of the things we have to think about is all these people leaving the country all the refugees, what life means after for them, what will be the pressures and the things that they have to live on, even if they find a safe place outside, what kind of safety is given and what kind of safety is not, and what kind of life, and that's a question that I think you do bring in in a way in this body of the your work that you are asking me as the reader and as the one who is looking at it is what kind of topics and what kind of life do we are talking about as the refugee experience or as the diasporic experience um if that makes sense like it's kind of this expectation of boxes of what you're supposed to be and what you're not and how do you do that and portray so maybe like i think a little bit more going back to these works that I like currently on um, the screen. If you can talk a little bit on all three of these, like I think there's like different interests. There's a relationship that comes out both individuals um, and where like the, the crying eye in the corner, like a little bit about the parrots. And I think there's the symbolism or where do you think, how do you, think about the symbolism and where what do you hope with it yeah absolutely um and these particular but uh, i mean in these particular pieces um again i think the feelings of ambivalence or the uncomfort feelings that i've had it was a very challenging for me to reveal them and explore them in my textile pieces like such as just crying, crying in itself. It's a very private thing that we do at home in our inside, uh, you know, spaces. And such as, um, you know, like when you feel exiled, even in a different home, in a different space, you do feel this sort of like isolated body, right? So for me, during this time, I felt that really close to me. I really felt this like loneliness, or I really felt this longing for something that I wasn't quite sure what it was. But definitely that's how like an immigrant body might feel and think. So, but in these pieces, I'm kind of like exploring them very like vividly and very like colorfully as if it's like a manifestation of my life of, of this time period, right? And the colors are really bold. The, the symbolism are really, uh, you know, vivid as well. And the piece that is, uh, there's like hands and there's like tears from the eye. And the eye kind of represents for me, you know, the nature is crying and how that nature impacts our daily home, our own space, right? And uh, the windows in that uh, in that space also represents like the only access that we had was through this screen and beyond, right? And, and, and I mean, like nothing beyond than that. And um, so for me, like um, having these kind of symbolic elements was very important uh, to, to kind of make up like a story. And, uh, and how these, uh, these kind of like everyday objects would also come to my dreams and come to my everyday reality and what sort of stories they were having or they were taking shape. 
So it was like a lot of internal dialogue with these things. And, um, and especially on the other one, the representations of bird and plants were very visible because again, it was, um, this time was also in here, I mean, speaking in here in Western societies, I think for me, living abroad, uh, my relationship with nature got really close, I think. I think that was the only space that I could felt mentally healthy and uh, mentally refuge, you uh, see. So that's why I, I was really interested to bring, um, again, the, the foliages, the birds, as if they are my protectors, as if they are my, uh, <clears throat> you know, shields, and uh, as if they become like my guardians, uh, uh, things, and, and my creatures. So for me, um, it was, um, it was really important to explore and not be afraid of whatever I would see every day and bring them into my studio and, uh, and, and try to reveal those uncomfort feelings. Um, so, yeah. You had a parrot in the studio or no? Do I have what, sorry? You have a parrot. And... Oh, I wish I did. <laughs> okay. no. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because uh, this particular piece, it's a self-portrait, of course, uh, the green parrot that definitely is cultural to me because uh, we, me and you grow up with so many sounds of doves uh, in Afghanistan. So for me, or even birds, like um, uh, one of my uncle, God bless him, uh, he passed away a few years ago. And he had so many amazing, beautiful birds in his home in Panjshir Valley. And growing up by the sound of those birds, like it really reminded me um, how joyful that moment was, but also, you know, birds are really annoying because they wake you up really early too. So for me in here, again, like I'm still thinking about those, um, those, you know, cultural elements and cultural sort of things that I go up and they would keep coming back into my daily life in here as well. Again, longing for those specific things that I miss the most. Um, so the green parrot definitely comes through that, um, uh, yeah memories for sure i think the memories but uh, it's also like what are you saying about this like cultural memory and this fact of like the symbols also represent a different language i think mm -hmm. sometimes we ought to look at works in that context it will make sense so like the parrot while our relationship to a parrot if i'm living in new york i don't see a parrot in my life unless i go to the zoo or um, wherever be um it's a very different in in how often then it's a reference as this used as a symbol um like in the better literary context or in artistic context back home as representations of beauty or as representations of a soul a bird as a soul and what kind of like then power does that bird have if we mm -hmm. see a bird as representations of a human soul because the bird often is then caged in some way or the parrot one of the things that is people are more interested into why they keep the parrots because they can talk yeah. but they can only talk what you teach them so how as as an owner would we hold a bird that then talks what it wants and this is a kind of to me like i'm looking i'm i'm like going far and stepping back is in the sense of like you and the bird are what what you talk and what you're expected to talk or as a, as a person as a 
And and like the point you made earlier is that your first time you connected with nature in some ways, or this how nature becomes and what are the consequences of why the reasoning and how where how it made safe and if not for being a woman and being and even to be able to make those connections and have that space that is safe is the question that like, I think those are the symbols that come back and forth. Um, I don't know what you're thinking about that sense of like the bird, but I think I was reading about this long story. I think there's like these little tales that get passed on through birds as a way of like lessons learned as kids. And there's this tale of the bird. There's a guy who sells, has a store and a parrot. And the reason he keeps the parrot because it's an attraction that brings people because the parrot tells people, thank you, whatever, like talks to them and then they come. So one day he closes his store and leaves and forgets the parrot. And there's a cat and the cat tries to catch this bird and they run around. Basically a lot of things just get displaced and there's everything on the ground. The next day when the owner comes and opens the door and the cat leaves and the Parrot comes and sits on the guy's hand and one and out of rage, the guy hits the parrot and somehow the parrot goes bald, um, which I don't know how, but it's, you know, it's a tale. Um, and then mm-hmm. the parrot sees a bald mm-hmm. man and says like, wow, did you do the same thing? Like you destroyed someone's store, like throwing stuff that you're bald and this kind of seeing yourself in the other person in the signifiers of like my actions my consequences mm-hmm. in the sense like you and the bird in the same place as in my view like what kind of things does it say about the the state you are the kind of openness you feel in in expressing mm-hmm. and the structures that you hold you back um and the kind of societal pressures that we put uh, on people and we expect them to only be this one person and specifically as I we were talking earlier about being an Afghan artist or an Afghan woman artist and Absolutely. the volatility of the moment and what you're expected of yeah I mean uh, yeah these are really interesting points Wahib I feel like for me representation of birds or symbols of birth. If we could go back a little bit for that, so I could be in the same uh, kind of theme to talk about. I feel like, uh, you know, birds are really interesting creatures, right? Uh, They historically and basically art, in the art context, they have definitely been used as a symbol of, you know, propaganda and resistance as a symbol of even for peace. Uh, But also, they also become this, uh, you know, symbol for uh, uh, like a messenger of, uh, you know, bringing good news or bad news in our folk tales, right? So for me, um, in here, in my previous bodies of work, the representation of birds were very visible too. And for me, I just felt like, uh, you know, this this creature was like this feminine thing that, you know, sometimes I had a hard time to express about my sexualities uh, through a poetic language. But, uh, you know, but I think when I used birds or when I use different kinds of birds, they become this kind of... Um, my true friends in order to tell my stories in this complex kind of world that I exist. So they definitely, 
been my my kind of best friends for some reason because they could be my second self that could tell my stories if I can tell it literally but they can abstractly and beautifully even too so sometimes uh, in my previous work I would feel like I am the bird or as if I am the bird in order to tell my stories and my and my textile pieces and then here again like there's a self-portrait um, you know having a mirror and looking at myself but then this 2t is protecting me it's uh, it's giving me like a shield it's giving me uh, you know like a friendship because again it's it's based on my you know memories of back home again I think when I start thinking about home and family those were my protectors again you know so that's how it's, uh, it keeps coming back too. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very cultural thing that keeps coming back. And, and every time when I work uh, with them, they create a different stories, a different space, so. I think like this idea of different stories is very like feeds into this next slide. This thought sure. of like, <laughs> what else is there? What kind of experiences? are out there that we haven't talked we don't want to talk about and this kind of idea of intimacy and love mm -hmm. and this thought of like connections in different realms not just like um i think like love and intimacy is something a conversation that is often we less talked about but all if it's talked about it's through poetry or through a sense of like there's so cultural boundaries and how you approach it um, and especially in art, I think in my understanding of it, we talk very less in the context of back home. And, and if we do, it comes from a different kind of, I think there's a class divide in some ways that a lot of love related art or intimacy related art is not as respected or people don't want to talk about it because the more political, the more out there work what actually love is itself is a revolutionary act and an act in the context in the sense of expressing that or that intimacy in a context that is so far or wants to ignore that doesn't mean doesn't exist actually these experiences are existing everywhere we just haven't given them the light which i think you are in this body of work you're bringing this directing the viewer to okay let's talk about these human experiences let's let's ponder about this for a little bit like if you can talk a little bit more yeah no absolutely i feel like um you know sometimes um like it's it's good to not to be afraid it's good to be who i am as a woman and what sort of maybe other experiences i have and i should not be afraid of revealing them um, so I think this time period of me, it was also like a pause and questions about those feelings that were not spoken of, let's say. And uh, that's how um, like I tried to bring them, I, I tried to kind of celebrate them and kind of not be afraid of it and to be in that, you know, ambivalent, you know, position again. And um, it's like a love and hate relationship too. I mean, I understand that uh, in and majority of like, let's say, um, east side of artworks, the figurative representation or like representation of intimacy and love, it's sometimes being censored or sometimes being not spoken to, right? 
So for me, at the at the same time, like I have this privilege as an artist and this space as an artist to like uh, let me make a history about it. Let me make a slice of reality of who I am, and maybe this could be also a shared experience with other people who are struggling the same thing as me, right? Like even in this picture that you have on the right one, the representation of wine as a celebration or the thread or the representation of grapes and the Kobli Palau plate. And um, these are all cultural, but also, also Western as well. But then they're also poetic, right? We all know that, I mean, me and you maybe know that in Persian poetry and Farsi poetry, um, there's a lot of use of uh, wine and um, uh, and use of sort of uh, being unconscious, being this kind of the other body. Um, it's it's really loudly expressed through the male point of perspective, right? But uh, so for me, I'm also considering those two and how I could also um, express these kind of uncomfort things uh, in my work too, and kind of uh, bring that language through my work as well and give them a space to breathe. Um, and especially in this work, I also wanted to kind of reference because uh, <clears throat> uh, in this work, I think it's, um, it, 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 I really was interested to kind of know what social isolation means again. And uh, by depicting this Kobli Palau plate again in the center of this space. And uh, their like hands are represented, but they also have same nail polish as if uh, they are also the same person circling around the time. And time was very important too. Uh, time and, you know, during this pandemic become like a sameness. There was something that you cannot lock what was the day, what was the evening or what was the afternoon. So for me, I was really interested to kind of uh, <clears throat> disjoint or kind of decompose the architecture of the space that I was living in and what sort of um, experiences I would have with these uh, everyday objects and what sort of stories I was creating or like longing for, pretty much. Yeah, that's, uh, honestly, that's a lot of, uh, it's very brave um, knowing what kind of pressures and the, the way that you work around these and the, the, the language that you create. I think what you're talking about, this idea of how there's a tradition, there's a tradition of speaking about intimacy, there's, but it's very male dominated. It's also unvisualized. I think some question that just comes to my mind we'll have to think more about is the, how appropriate, how do we draw a line between written, um, well, how we talk about or write about intimacy and love and how we visualize it and what visual, how, why are we scared of the visualization more than the poetic um, and what, kind of, what does that mean is a question that, or why is there less visual then there's a lot more po poetry and like prose written about it then um it's something that like i think comes more into what we expect of art and visuals and their role in culture and what they do and how we are positioned to think of their impact and if they're real or not and those questions are probably far big for now um but it makes me think at least in my sense and like what you're doing and how it continues but also departs and finds a new path and to talk about these feelings that are even if they are just personal the personal then becomes collective I think that's one other question is like that obviously there are two ways of looking at any context is that 
collective and the personal. And we often feel like the collective seems far more easier to do and you're expected in some ways. While actually in these personal moments, there's so much more being told about a different collective, a collective that we haven't been thinking about because the reality is that a collective image of a state, a place is always forced upon in certain structures, but only a personal narrative slowly one, two, three could then help us challenge those things, which in the context of back home, we know that collective image is not complete. That collective image continues that to fall apart and their questions need to be asked about it and we can only do it in some ways at least in my opinion if we take one by one and since these are to see what are the alternative stories and ways of thinking about the place and how the smaller things could become feed into the bigger ones um i think for me i also really felt liberated the idea of drawing and the series i felt like just like uh the practice of drawing my dreams every day or the practice of drawing what I was going through. And that kind of like that form really helped me to reach what I was looking for. Even in these textile pieces, they're really approached as if they're like drawing, as if they're like writing. It's not so much like about the, what does the textile do in here? What is the identity of fabric here? But much more of like, how does memory is played in here and what sort of spaces it has. So it has like a very transparent or maybe translucency in them too. There's a, there's a, I mean, that's why the whole show is about mirrors and faces, but whose mirror and whose faces? It's a, I'm, I'm trying to open up some sort of a space that you could be also reflected in this space and I, I could be and she could be too. So I think the form of drawing was really a strong notion to, to understand what drawing does to our, um, to my everyday life too as an artist. Again, the foundation of making art is the drawing again, okay? yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. I actually, that I might ask you a question too um, that extends from that. I was curious to ask you more about your uh, material process uh, in relation to the um, conceptual side, but also the catharsis that you're speaking about, I think, right now. Um, so yeah, I was wondering how, you know, maybe you can speak about how, for instance, you transition from painting to working in textile and what that means to you, but also there's a huge range in scale also in the works in the show. So the ones that we're looking at right now are sort of a smaller, more intimate scale. And then there are ones that are more monumental, um, like the Red Room. And, um, but, you know, despite it being so large in size, it still has a sort of uh, intimacy to it, I think. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if you could speak a bit about that relationship bete between perhaps material and, and lived experience and intimacy in that. Absolutely. I feel like um, I always tell myself that if I wasn't a painter, I wouldn't be a good textile artist or I wouldn't be good at using textile or fabrics. I feel like my first initial as a painter, it really taught me how to how to feel things, how to um, how to kind of question material that we are using. And yes, of course, I had this bad relationship with painting or painting material in itself. But uh, since I was really interested in uh, working through memory, working through my cultural memories, um, 
through painting, I think painting was not giving me that, uh, you know, connectivity, that kind of immediate, uh, you know, connectivity to it. So I think it's like materially speaking, right? Since I was also interested to paint these uh, different textiles from these countries that I grew up. So for me, slowly, slowly, I kind of began to uh, question the material again on the subject that I was painting. And that's how I began to collaging, cutting. So from there, like I, I become like uh, really interested because like one that memory is also like a very fragile and very fragment thing, right? And textile and fabric has this tactility. This uh, you could uh, you could do so much with this fabric with this material. You could stretch it. You could cut it. You could uh, you could burn it even sometimes, which I do too. If I don't like my work, I kind of like put it aside or cut into pieces. So so for me, um, that kind of transition really opened my world to this fragile memories that I've had, and it really allowed me to build those um, spaces through fabric, through using this uh, weaved uh, sort of. Uh, experience i think there's also something that we could remember this like relationship with mediums we have in a sense like as what kind of like painting and its availability and how comfortable you feel is by how your life grows around if you if i'm around painting and paint and things i'll be more comfortable in the sense and the relationship at least from my hangama you can tell me is like and it's most close till recently now that like in the past decade and half or decade, people buy ready-made clothes. But before that, you will buy the textile, either give it to a tailor to fix it for you, man or woman, or you fix it yourself in some ways to make your clothes. So those kind of relationships of this connection between the material, I wonder how it influenced you, but I could also see how that could make it far available in your thought as a material to be used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel sometimes I am the tailor and I am making a perfect shape of dress or fashion or even cloth, let's say. But I think uh, you're bringing an important point here too. Like maybe I can mention this, that in my previous bodies of work, when I would use textile or specific cultural fabrics, it was because of its own representation, of its own identity, to have a space in my work, right? It was questioning where this fabric would come from and why geographically it's important in my work. But in this series, I wasn't really approaching that, but I was really approaching fabric as like a, as like a thin layer of like paint because that's why they're so painterly approached too. It was much more about my relationship of color, texture, and my feeling of the surface. Because um, in majority of times, uh, if I could go back to Madam's question, like how I, I, uh, I kind of transformed from fabric to, I mean, from painting to fabric, it was also, I still work with color pencil. I still work with drawing. I still work with gouache painting when I start my textile pieces. So every time when, when I even go to these fabric stores, I bring my sketches with me. And through the sketch, whatever color palette I have, I select and choose a specific fabrics in relation to those uh, palette that I have in my sketchbooks. So again, it's really painterly approached uh, um, at the end when I work. And, um, and for me, yeah, I mean, uh, fabric has so much functionality that you can think of. 
it's not being structured in one frame, but you could make it so many different frames, so many different um, directions if you wanted to. And that's how the importance of a scale comes in my work a lot. Sometimes I work very intimate uh, and intimate pieces because they are kind of like a pages of my, um, of a diary that I have written. You know, I kind of like um, want to have that sort of, uh, you know, sensorial experience as a viewer too, that it is intimate, it's a portrait. It's not so loud, but like compared to my larger pieces, I want to have this immersive experience with textiles as if you're being enwrapped around that space that is being represented. And uh, I wanted you to enter that space and see how you will feel. Again, fabric does so much, you know, you can, you can make your whole world out of it. And that's how I feel really free about uh, being a tailor as well at the end and, and, and being that, uh, you know, personality sometimes too. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, that, I mean, that's so well said. And I think also there is an intimacy to them when you see them in person as well. And I think like, even in this work on the right, how the wine sort of spills over. I mean, that's a, that's a sort of traversing of a boundary that you couldn't do with painting and um, person when I look at it it sort of reminds me of when you look at a textile and it's sort of you know if it's made by a family member or something and it's kind of one corner is a little bit longer you know and it, mm -hmm. it was just sort of stretched over time or something and there is hints of, there are hints of that to me that sort of also history of touch and and how things carry memory just not in their representation but also in their in their existence. Their question was about the, the scale, and just how, how intimacy and scale works with, with your uh, works as well. Yeah, as I mentioned, um, a scale is really important. You know, I, I, I want sometimes, um, I want sometimes as if you feel so small to it, as if you're also in that uh, space of my memory or a space of my psyche in order to know my world. And that's how it really opens up, you know, again, fabric, you got to stretch as much as many you can, as much as you can. But also, like, I'm also interested, um, before when you just mentioned about this spilt wine coming out of the frame, you know, like, if we think of, of memory, it's, it's, it's like an event, it's, it doesn't have a perfect edges, and it's imperfection. That's what I'm attracted to. And I can I can do that with fabric on me. That's why I'm really um, interested to like, at the end of each piece that I make, it's never becomes perfect edges. And I leave those happy accidents, such as a spell of wine. It's, it's still in its own uh, emotion, emotive and emotion kind of a space, as if it's dancing around, as if it's uh, being a single person again too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think there's something that definitely it's worth, it feels it's hard to talk maybe and finish with this at the last moment, but it's something of keeping in, in thought and what is happening back yes. home and in the context of what it will do to people and their lives and how the story that Hangama is telling and if as much as it might be very personal, it will be a questions that a lot of people will have to ask and deal with these topics you're covering in your work are very real to a lot of people and will continue to become very real and in this sense of being in between two places and the kind of things you carry and the kind of things you want to leave behind and what you could and can't and that's something that I think for another generation sadly is going to be the truth that this is 
what for five decades of continuing people only option to live a life that you can enjoy or in some way feel secure and feel like you are getting some kind of meaning out of it is to leave the country for consequences of different in both imperial interest in the country local leaders who have destroyed the ambitions of like just used it the moment and then we constantly fell in this place but at the end it's the people it's this kind of the public that we have to keep in our thoughts and how we could help and these narratives are one way to make a difference in how we can continue to expand the narratives of talking about the place and the people and who they are on their own than just these general big topics um, forced on from the top. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a great message you're also uh, you know, giving out there. I feel like um, I am definitely, as an artist, I'm, I never feel that I'm stopping or being silent about anything. Even though I took a you know, lens in my own self in this body of work, but I'm always thinking about um, how should I bring these, you know, contemporary voices again and what sort of um, kind of shape of history Afghanistan is having, especially the lives of women again, right? So I'm still being in constant um, kind of uh, working and thinking and trying to find a platform through my work because as an artist, yes, I do feel privileged that I have this medium, that I have these tools to express and hopefully if I could find a space for them to also uh, you know, count as one as well and be important and, and bring them in the art uh, history and art context too. So there's a lot of work to be done, I would say, but it's, uh, it's, 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 it is the beginning, I would say as well. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I really appreciate this opportunity to be in talk with you, Angama and uh, Magdalene, thank you for making this happen and everyone who came to listen to us ramble maybe hopefully it's helpful in some way and give you some new thoughts and i hope the same (laughs)